everybody, welcome back to the Hastings Harvest, where it is my job to interview some of the most inspiring young minds, creators, and educators within their area of expertise and try to harvest how they go about their craft. Today, I am joined by Danny Ishay, or Lifting Vegan Logic on Instagram, at lifting underscore vegan underscore logic. Danny is a college undergrad currently studying human communications, and the reason he actually took on this major is because he wanted to become a better animal rights activist. If you've seen him on Instagram, he's pretty known for his change my mind signs, where he usually has some type of controversial title about veganism with change my mind under it. So he's pretty active in terms of activism, which we get into a lot in this podcast. I have yet to really interview an activist, so this made for a very interesting talk I think a lot of you guys are going to like. As far as other stuff we talk about in this podcast, we go from talking about his background in college to why he decided to transition to veganism and his current fitness regimen because not only is Danny an activist, but he is also a vegan bodybuilder just like me. We also go over why he believes roadkill is vegan, very interesting stuff there, why he smokes weed almost every night, and a lot more. And Danny also mentions a ton of resources in this podcast. So to check all of those out, which I highly suggest you do, it's a lot of good information he talks about, head over to seasonedtofu.com forward slash podcast. That is seasonedtofu.com forward slash podcast. All right. I think that's everything. Please enjoy my talk with Danny Ishay. All right, Danny, thank you for coming on the Hastings Harvest. It's good to have you here. Totally, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So do you want to give a little background as to who you are, what you are currently doing in life right now? Yeah, sure. So um, right now I am pursuing a human communications degree at University of Central Florida, also a vegan activist slash partial I guess, personal trainer, but um, I specialize a lot more in like uh, ethics and activism. Um, on Instagram and YouTube, I, I do a lot of like posts related to um, ethical argumentation on Instagram. It's a lot of like humor-based stuff with a combination of logic, just trying to show people that, um, you know, like the, the logical structure of most people's morals are actually aligned with vegan ethics. Um, and trying to also do what you do, which is, you know, break the stereotype that vegans are kind of just like crazy, militant, aggressive hippies and more so bring about an image of being down to earth and chill and not so um, aggressive. So, yeah, I do a lot of that. And I also do, I'm the outreach director for the Animal Rights Club at our university. And our university is the second largest in the in the U.S., so it's kind of a big deal. Um, we There's like 67,000 students, so there's a lot of potential to to change people's minds and adjust their um, attitudes towards vegans. So yeah, that's, that's the majority of what I do. And, you know, I also have a huge passion for uh, working out um, philosophy, science, research, things like that. So yeah, that's, that's the gist of what I do. I also play drums. I don't know if that's relevant to this, but also a musician, but yeah. Really? I did not know that. I actually played drums for a few years of my life when I was a kid. Oh, really? So, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm decent or not, to be <laughs> to be honest. I haven't played in a long time, but mm -hmm. I feel like stuff like that, like drums carries over into adulthood, even if you stop playing for a long time. I could be wrong, though, but no, yeah, totally I don't know, every time, yeah, every time I'm like by a drum set or something, which is very, very rare, and like I try to do it again it it goes pretty well so that's something i really want to do more actually i have my old drum set in my garage right now it's just like kind of packed up mm -hmm. to the point where we were thinking about selling it but i don't know i i digress i'm going off on a tangent here Not totally. maybe we'll talk about, maybe we'll talk about drums later in the podcast but gotcha 
what I really what I really like about your Instagram, it's very unique the way you're presenting your armor, your arguments and presenting your information. So I just really like the fact that you're incorporating humor into your stuff and sarcasm, which not a lot of vegans are doing right now. Like I do a little bit of like humor based stuff too, you know, with my vegan facts, which my listeners probably have heard of, but it's, it's nice to see someone who's really just laid back about it. Who's just like, yeah, I'm going to fucking make fun of myself. And because that's, it's actually an effective way for people to realize, you know, vegans are vegans can be lighthearted. Like they're not like not all of us are crazy and fucking strict as hell. So I'm, I'm just really glad that you're doing your Instagram the way you're doing. So yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, man, totally. Um, yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge thing where, um, vegans just are stereotyped in a certain way. And, you know, a lot, a lot of the, um, when people become faced with the vegan argumentation, a lot of the times, attacking the character of vegans is like the first thing they do because they don't want to actually face up to the arguments because they, they are very strong arguments. So I think it's very important to manage the way that we actually act in the way that we present messages because, again, uh, people that aren't vegan that are trying to find a reason to not be convinced of the arguments, they often will attack the messenger instead of the uh, message. So, you know, when you are chill, like how you and I are on our accounts, there isn't much room to... To, to call us uh, militant and they actually I, I know I don't really see much um, argumentation on your part you're more of like the health and fitness side but like for me um, there isn't much room to criticize my character so like they have to kind of own up or, or like respond to what I'm saying so yeah mm-hmm. and what did you say your degree was oh it's in human communication so um, human communications is a is a very like broad subject it, it relates to like uh public relations and like understanding how to communicate messages to the masses my end goal is to eventually use what i learned to work either for a nonprofit. Uh, uh, social media marketing is another thing that's within this major that people will end up doing uh and I, i'm sure as you know and um nowadays in 2019 social media is like the new everything when it comes to marketing and and sustaining a client base and and having a sense of community around a particular product or, or a sort of a organization. So yeah, like, you know, stuff like you see like anonymous for the voiceless doing, or like different animal rights organizations. That's my end goal kind of to, to work in alignment with them and, and help them with their social media, getting messages out there to the masses. And uh, yeah. So, or even uh, just work with a cruelty free company, whether it be, you know, like a, like a protein company or something, just helping them market in some way. So using, you know, my communicative skills to like help a business or nonprofit that has a purpose that I'm aligned with. But yeah. That's awesome. I didn't, I didn't realize human communications was like that. I was actually a cognitive science major in college. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's kind of related, but I've, I've really found that I've become passionate about marketing as well it's like it's really cool to try and figure out what is gonna impact people the most like what words can you use Mm -hmm. to uh i don't i don't i guess i would say persuade someone to to do something or to buy a certain product i'm really interested in stuff like that so that's that's definitely a a really cool major did you have you like when did you decide you wanted to uh pursue something like that uh yeah so i went to so right now i'm at ucf and um i graduated from high school in 2015 and then i went to fau which is like florida atlantic university and it's more in southern florida for two years and that's when i was a psych major so at that point i was very into like uh like serial killers and psychology and i I had this kind of end goal of um getting a bachelor's in psych and then a phd and doing research on the brains of um, suicide or sorry the, the brains of like serial killers and just people that are purely apathetic because I just find them super interesting and then <clears throat> when I moved up here uh, I came across the animal rights group and at that point I was around two years of being vegan and 
I got pretty involved with them. And then we got a trip to like, we went on like a retreat that was funded by PETA and we did a lot of activism. I thought it was really cool. And at that point in time, I was super into just debating people online. And um, basically that, that retreat kind of changed my, um, like it, it made me realize like what, where I think I'd better be suited. Um, Cause it was also, it wasn't just research I wanted to do with psychology, but also like cognitive behavioral therapy, which is just um, helping people out with their problems and, you know, therapy in general. And I, I kind of just realized that I wasn't too passionate about doing that the entire time that I'm existing on this planet. So um, yeah, you know, and, and that's a whole nother topic we can get into where, you know, at age 18, you're expected to know what you want to do your entire life. But I think that age 18 to 21 are like some of the most molding years. So it kind of makes sense that I ended up changing my major. Um, but yeah, so so it was around 2017 when I moved up to Orlando, where I got involved with the animal rights uh, um, club, where I decided like, oh, I want to do something with animal rights. So then I realized like obviously psychology wasn't aligned with that. And then I was looking into other majors and communications just happened to be the most aligned and most uh, uh, relevant major to what I want to do. And there, there was a track in UCF called like social innovation and activism. So I found out about that and I'm on that right now. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the story of how I came about switching over, but yeah, I was initially a psych major. So I went through quite the same change as, as you did. Uh, I think it was a, was it sophomore year? Yeah. Sophomore year of college. I just kind of had like that. That was also when I went vegan, I think. Yeah. I think so. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of just changed a lot as a person. I don't want to be like that typical hippie type dude. But like when I started meditating and like kind of figuring out who I was, I kind of questioned a lot of things in my life, like what I was doing um, and like if it was the right thing I should be doing. And I was a computer science major actually at first. Um, and I... I wanted to switch to something that more so just had my interest. Like computer science was really, it, it's really cool learning about programming. And I, I learned a lot about it. But when I started to get into the really nitty gritty programming, that's like not like creating user interfaces, which is like what people see when you start like handling people's data, it gets super mm -hmm. complicated. It, it just became boring to me. So I wanted to do something that could be more like practical to my everyday life. And cognitive science was really fun. It was like a, a combination of like philosophy, psych, uh, linguistics. So yeah, we seem to have pretty much the same background when it comes to that. And now I would like to talk about veganism, how you got into it. So how long have you been vegan? <clears throat> okay, so I hit uh, four years uh, as of last June. So, yeah, about four, year, four years, four and a half now, I guess, close to. How old are you? Uh, 22. Okay, okay. How, how old are you? Yeah. I, did, <laughs> I honestly thought you were a lot older. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm like Israeli, so I don't know if we age quicker or what, but. I've always, me and my brother both have always just looked a lot older than we are, but yeah. Yeah, man, you got the hair. I, I'm hairless. <laughs> like, like I literally grow no chest hair. Like I don't, I barely have any hair on my legs, like none of my arms. It's a little sad because I want to have facial hair. Like I want to have a nice thick beard, you know, like it looks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's pros bad. and cons. Maybe you should eat some, uh, some meat or some dairy. Maybe that'll help you. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That must be it. So what was the moment that you decided to go vegan? Was there like a specific moment you remember, I have to do this? Oh, yeah. Or was it kind of like a, a okay, so it was. So yeah, what yeah. Um, so my uh, senior year of high school, my brother, so my brother went vegan when I was like in 10th grade, and he was always into the ethics. And, uh, you know, for two years, he kind of was just like, he, we're very close. So like he would... You know, if I came home with like a chicken burrito, he would just be like, yo, you're a piece of shit, you know, and I would kind of just laugh. And he, he knew, I knew I never had an argument against it. I kind of just was like, yeah, I'm just kind of 
just selfish, you know, if chicken tastes good, blah, blah, blah. But I, I always knew that I never had an argument against it. And then um, around senior year of high school, I got exposed to the health arguments and then wanted to change for that. So I was vegan for six days of the week for about a year. Now, when I say vegan, I really mean plant-based because I don't think philosophically it makes sense to be against animal abuse for six days of the week and then one day not care. So um, so I really just plant-based or whatever. And then uh, George Carlin, I don't know if you know who he is. Do you know who he is? I've heard the name before. Yeah, yeah he, he, He's like a famous comedian. He should definitely look into him okay, if you yeah, have like a yeah. dark sense of humor or anything, but he, uh, yeah, I he died. Was that? Yeah, I, I have seen him before. I just realized now that you said, I thought it was the comedian. I wanted to make sure. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. He he he's always just had like a, this mentality of like, like oh, like humans are are like fucking up the planet. Humans are you know blah blah blah. A very like cynical attitude towards humanity, and like I've kind of had that mentality too. Um, nowadays, I try to have a bit more of a positive optimistic mentality but anyway uh i watched one of his things and uh and it was after i'd watched cowspiracy and what basically he was it was one of his things on like humanity and i was like wow like i'm sitting here so passionately like agreeing with everything he's saying yet i'm still like contributing to the leading cause of you know um greenhouse gas emissions species extinction ocean dead zones uh paying for innocent animals to be killed basically doing Supporting a system which, in my opinion, animal agriculture is one of the most inherently like negative, obsolete things that we still do to this day. And it kind of hit me like, how could I be so on board with everything he's saying while my actions are just, you know, once a week completely not aligned with it? And uh, so then it was after I graduated up in 2015 when I was about to start college, was when I was like, okay, I need to do this like for sure. And then I, eventually did it. And because I was already doing it six days a week, I was already, I already knew like what was and what wasn't vegan. So that came overnight. Um, but yeah, so it, it was kind of just like the, like I'm very big on like logic and reason. And, and if I'm not living in alignment with um, my logic, like my, like the things that drive me, like I feel like a lot of dissonance, you know? So that kind of just was when I came to these realizations and decided to make the change. What made you, stay not vegan once a week uh purely i see so because it was for health reasons um that one day a week was more of like a cheat day right like kind of like how I, I don't know how your what your structure is with your diet but you know how like if some people will have uh like a cheat day so for me that's mm-hmm. what it was um but again it, it was those six days like my logic was it was it was very fallacious but it was like oh like i know that it's bad for the animals, but I don't really genuinely care to do it fully. So I'll just do it six days a week. And obviously this doesn't make any, any sense from a moral perspective, but so, so like the, the cheat day was mostly just driven by my taste, uh, pleasure, like my desire for, uh, taste. So, um, yeah. And, and it's interesting cause I also knew that I could satisfy these tastes, um, pleasure things like through plants, but it's much easier to like go to Chipotle and just get like, you know, sour cream and cheese and, and chicken, you know, like, so I would just do that. And, and I, all my friends weren't vegan at the time. So, um, the social pressure probably played a part too. Mm -hmm. Social pressure. I feel like is one of the biggest ones to why more people aren't going vegan. I don't know if you would agree with me or not, but we are very social beings. We want to fit in with the herd. We don't, want to stand out and if you go vegan at least in this day and age it's getting better obviously more people are but you're still gonna get shit for it like Mm -hmm. i get shit on get shit on for it all all the time and that's just uh, i wish people didn't care what people (laughs) thought of them and just did what was right for the planet and the animals and everything but unfortunately you know that's that's not how we are so just gotta keep having more people adopt it, you know? Yeah, no, you're, you're completely right. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, humans are very social beings. I'm, I'm pretty sure acceptance is one of, a, one of our needs. Um, there's, a, there's a, I think it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs or something like that. It might, might have been a different one, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's like in our instincts to like be accepted. So even though we know logically, like a 
particular action is is what's best for us and the planet and the animals there is this like so inner social instinct that just is like nah so i totally agree yeah exactly Mm -hmm. what was your body and mind's initial reaction when you went vegan and does it make you feel the same way now or like do you feel better now than you did at the start um so this this kind of question like i i try my best to answer as honestly as possible because there are a lot of vegans that will just be like yeah i have fucking superpowers now that i'm you know like i'm sure you've heard these vegans say this uh but for me it's hard to objectively say because at the same time that i started going vegan i also started to eat more whole foods anyway so you know i know that if i were still vegan now and i was eating oreos and and garden and ice cream i'd feel like complete shit so i would say that me eating a whole foods uh plant-based vegan diet 100 percent makes me feel like a lot better my energy is higher Um, my sleep is better my mental state is less cloudy my recovery is better i have higher energy in the gym which increases my capacity to implement you know progressive overload things like that but um you know, if I were to still be a vegan and eat Oreos and stuff, I probably wouldn't experience those things. So I would say like, yeah, my body did change when I went to the whole foods plant-based thing um, in all those ways I just named. But it, I just, I'm very, you know, I'm very technical with my language. I, I, I don't want to say that it was inherently the vegan diet, It was, but it was inherently the whole foods vegan diet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I get you. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think... I feel like some vegans are scared to say how it initially made them feel because when you're going through that much of a physiological change, I think, I mean, obviously some people are, like you said, going to feel incredible from it, from you eating pretty much. I mean, I, I know that there's a bunch of vegan junk food, but usually when people go vegan, they're eating healthier in general. And right. I feel like... I was doing that. I was eating healthier, but it at the start, like the first few weeks, I think my body just really was having a tough time adjusting to it. And truthfully, I did not feel that good. Like I, I had this one week where I was just so out of whack when I first started and like super tired. And like, I'm sure that's my fault for not being educated on what I should actually be putting into my body yet. So for anyone listening out there who's just like, I, I want to go vegan and I'm kind of scared how it'll make me feel. Like if you are making that massive of a change in your diet, there it's very likely you're not going to feel that good at the start because your body's got to get used to and get rid of all the shit that it, it was eating before. So totally. once, once you pass like that first few weeks hump and like you understand more what to eat and what and like what to put in your body, basically you will feel like better than you ever have, at least for 90% of the people from my experience. Yeah, totally dude. Like, and you know, it's a big dilemma with like the whole like vegan thing with like ethics where like, like I always say like the best, the most moral thing someone can do is go vegan overnight, but it isn't the most like practical and, um, being vegan and, 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 uh, slowly getting into veganism also is it's just a matter of knowledge accumulation like over time so you know it takes time to understand like what you need to eat as well because plant foods on average are less calorically dense than animal foods so a lot of people will under eat and that's why they feel bad in the beginning or like you said um their body is just getting used to this change there's also you may have heard of like the whole like gut microbiome where people aren't as accustomed to the increased fiber so that'll also end up causing gastrointestinal issues and things like that. So like, there's so many factors that can make someone in the beginning feel worse than they will long-term when they first start going vegan. But yeah, man, I I totally agree. Um, And that's, that's also why I feel like there's a a physical reason to like not do it overnight as opposed to Mm -hmm. just a, a practical reason where uh, your body does need time to just adjust. So like, you know, like morally, I'm very against like the concept of meatless Mondays, but from, from a physiological um, perspective, like it might make sense to slowly um, integrate like a vegan diet into your body as opposed to just boom, one day you're just 
now eating strictly whole foods and all that so yeah no i i usually always tell people it should be like a slow transition where you're slowly reducing the amount of animal products you're consuming as much as some people want to go cold turkey right away mm-hmm. might not be the best for your health so Definitely. yeah i'm glad you i'm glad we uh explained that a little bit what do you wish you would have known when starting out as a vegan um let me think i i probably like i wish i was a bit more um scientific and and understood that there was a sub niche of people in the vegan community that that uh that have these like very unscientific diets for example i was kind of victim to the i don't know if you know who durian rider is you know who that is (laughs) yeah unfortunately yeah Yeah, so so when i was like young young in high school um it's partially too because my older brother was victim of it too he we were under the impression that like yeah like fuck fat um refined sugar is okay to dump on your oatmeal like i don't know i don't know why this may, it, it, it's because at the time i guess i, I didn't have much of an appreciation for like n- nutritional science and like you know if you don't if you can't critically think in that regard and you see a guru on youtube like darian Ryder, for those who don't know he's just this vegan that advocated for high carb low fat which you know i agree is is a it's an ideal diet for people that uh are trying to reverse heart disease or certain chronic conditions but Basically, he would make the claim that uh, sugar from fruit and sugar and shred up refined sugar were one and the same and that the health ramifications of both are, are equal. And so I would just I wish I knew to, to be a bit more um, scientific and not think that just because something is vegan, that means that it's healthy. Some people just have that conception um, and mm-hmm. it's and it's not true uh, by virtue of the fact that Oreos exist and things like that. Um, also. Um, I'd probably, I wish I was probably like, I, I, w- I wish I was more prepared for the, the, uh, social pressures, I guess. Like, cause in the beginning you can either have a very irritable, um, mentality where like every time someone asks about your protein intake, you're just like, oh my fucking God. Like, uh, yes, uh, tempeh, tofu, say, you know, you know, like where you, you just are like, okay, let me answer this question for the millionth time today or have the mentality of like, okay, people are just like me, you know, I ate meat for 18 years. People eat, eat, eat meat their whole lives. They don't really know these things. So I can't blame them for not knowing this information. And I have to be understanding because at one point, I also thought that like meat and dairy were the only sources of protein and eggs, you know. So I have to, so I would say when going vegan, that's one of the main things I wish I, I, I knew or like realized, which is how, how, um, just to, just to be more understanding that people, don't know these things and like, cause, cause they, you're going to get asked questions all the time. So definitely that, um, cause I can honestly go on and on about what I wish I knew, but I don't want to take up the whole podcast with this one question. <laughs> right. Uh, amazing. You, uh, there's two things that I want to highlight that you said. The first one was that a high carb, low fat diet is good for people trying to reverse heart disease. Yes. Yeah. So, I think so many vegans are like high carb, low fat. It's the only way you should do veganism. It's the healthiest thing ever. Don't mm-hmm. do anything. Like, don't eat a lot of fat. Like fat is an absolutely necessary macronutrient. If you're getting healthy fats in, it's going to balance your hormones. It helps to uh, increase the absorption of some vitamins. It's mm-hmm. it is very very healthy for you. I don't. I feel like vegans get the wrong idea on fat and think it's like unhealthy somehow and think that you should only be eating just carbs. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's the case for the majority of people. Like you said, if, if you're trying to reverse heart, de- heart disease, yeah, I would say definitely the best diet to, to do it, but don't get too restrictive on your macros. Like if you're just starting mm-hmm. off with veganism, like you, you got to realize just eat, eat whole foods, like eat a bunch of different variety of foods. That's what I always tell people. Just don't restrict yourself and have moderation where, you know, sometimes if you want to eat some vegan junk food, I do. I eat at least a piece of junk food a day, probably, honestly, like, or like a piece of processed faux meat, you know? So like, 
don't restrict yourself too much just to make sure you're actually enjoying your diet because if you don't enjoy your diet it's going to negatively impact your health like even having that mindset is and the second thing that i completely agree with is the fact that you can't you can't get mad at people for being raised their entire lives to think that animals you have to eat animals to get protein you have to eat animals in order to be healthy like mm -hmm. going vegan is a cult and like it's gonna <laughs> make you malnourished and deficient like people have been brought up for like most people you're gonna talk to are let's say 20 to 30 years old they're for 20 to 30 years they've been told that these are the right things to do you know how hard it's going to be to change one of their extremely uh i don't even know what the word i'm looking for like conditioned beliefs yeah extremely deep beliefs like that's going to take a very long at least for most people it's going to take a very long time so being patient with others for not being vegan is is just a smart thing to do like you got to look at the other person's perspective you really do so i'm glad you brought that up oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, um i wanted to comment on, on what you said about the whole like the v, the the high carb community that are like against fats some of them mm -hmm. are even against uh like protein and in uh in regards to athletes and it's like you know i'm sure i don't know if you've seen the research on like protein intake and like muscle building and strength building but like it's it's, it's it is clear that athletes do need more than 10% of their calories from a protein. And I, for, for those who don't know, we're, we're referring to like the 80, 10, 10, um, vegan community, which is like, it's the, it's the philosophy that 80% of your calories come from carbohydrates, 10% from fat and then 10% from protein. And yeah, so I'm just addressing the people that, uh, have been like, yeah, you, you only need 10% of your calories from protein. Even if you're an athlete weightlifting, trying to build muscle and that I'm just, that just isn't true. Um, and uh yeah so i just, just wanted to address that too i don't know if you've heard that heard that too cole but yeah yeah i, I actually haven't heard that but i'm glad mm -hmm. you said it because yes athletes without a doubt need more protein than the average person who's not mm -hmm. doing any type of weightlifting or exercise like that mm -hmm. so let's start talking a little bit about the the fitness side of veganism do you track your macros do you have a macro split and what type of workout split do you do? Yeah, so I do uh, track my macros. Although of late, I've been trying to introduce a sort of intuitive approach. But the thing is that uh, I think, and I think it's objectively true, that um, the most quantitative and best way to get your specific uh, physique goals is to track. Um, you can eat intuitively, but if you want to be super, super on point with your goals, like I think people should count their macros. So that's, so that's why I do, um, my split at the moment. I, I think it probably will never change is, a uh, the traditional push, pull, um, legs repeat, um, mm -hmm. split just because of the fact that, you know, um, it takes around 48 to 72 hours of, or 48 to 72 hours for your muscles to recover. So the traditional bro split of like hitting chest once a week and arms once a week and back once a week just comes comes with so much downtime that you could be using to hit your muscles again so i think maximizing fru uh, frequency is just in, in the interest of muscle growth and strength gains makes the most sense so i'm going to do probably push pull legs repeat for the rest of my uh, training career unless new research comes out suggesting otherwise but just because i want to maximize the amount of times i hit my uh my uh muscle group so mm -hmm. did, did so did you say your macro split like percentages do you know like the percentage um, of so it's not like a it's it's like not really a specific so the way that i treat my macros is like i have a particular caloric goal and then depending on my weight which tends to be around 170 to 178 i'll do uh so for example if i am a I'm bulking, I'll be eating around 0.7 to 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight. And then if I'm cutting to preserve muscle mass, I'll be at around, around 0.9 to 1 gram of protein per pound of body weight. And then I keep my fats around 30%. Mm -hmm. 
and then the rest of my calories go to carbs. So, so whatever the protein ends up being, it's usually around 25% and then 30% uh, fat, and then the rest ends up going to uh, carbs. And I found that I feel the best this, uh, this way, but I may start experimenting with higher fat just to see how I feel. But um, yeah, that's that's my current split at the moment. It's around, that's around the same as me. I think I I do eat a little bit less protein though, but I'm I'm usually right around there. Like when I'm bulking, it's anywhere between like 0.6 to 0.8 grams per pound. Um, and then when I'm trying to cut, it's closer to 0.8 because you know you you do need a little bit more protein while cutting. Yeah, totally. Um, the process I just wanted right. to say something just so people understand too that um the the protein model of like say 0.8 grams per pound of body weight i think that 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 whole bo- the body weight part is important to, to, to think about because you know if somebody weighs 300 pounds and they're completely like very overweight you know like 30 to 40 percent body fat they they don't actually need to be consuming that much i think that the body weight model kind of more so applies to people that are in the the you know, the six to like fifteen percent body fat range. But if someone is severely overweight, there's other um, equations that just go off of lean body mass because the the point is to is to go off of uh, your actual muscle, not your um your fat. So yeah, so I, so if someone's like three hundred pounds, I wouldn't want them to follow like that same equation that I go off of. Because you know theoretically, if they if they did one gram per pound of body weight, they'd be consuming 300 grams of protein completely unnecessarily given that there's someone that that's at 30 to 40 percent body fat you know Mm. yeah yeah that was that's a super important point Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. what supplements do you take right now um i'm doing yeah what's up that's in terms of uh of overall health and fitness yeah so um i have a beach ball supplement um, although when I am having like nutritional yeast or like a fortified soy milk, I probably won't have it for that day. Um, I'm also on creatine monohydrate. I think creatine is one of the most studied, um, supplements out there and probably the least bullshit. There's a lot in my opinion, like a lot of bullshit on the market that does close to nothing. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the research on, uh, like BCAAs, but at least to, to what I've seen, I've only really seen that it helps with the working out fasted but otherwise if you're consuming enough protein there isn't really much reason to take bcaas um so i don't take those uh so at the moment it's really just beef ball and creatine and then uh protein powder on occasion and then i'm I'm also recently found out that majority of the population is uh deficient in iodine so I may be looking into an iodine supplement soon, but other than that, everything else I really get from uh, whole plant foods. Gotcha. And I take pretty much the same as you. I take a B12. I also take creatine. And one thing that's different is I actually take vitamin D3 in the form of lichen, 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 whatever the hell it's called. Um, I think it's from... uh, I forgot what plant it's from, but D3, if for those who don't know, is the best absorbed type of vitamin D for your body. If you're going to get a supplement, get D3 instead of D2, which is mostly what you find in vegan vitamin D supplements is D2. But if you can find that D3, definitely go for that. And the reason I take that is because I live in Buffalo where we don't get much sun at all. I'm sure you're probably getting enough sun, so you don't need to. But for a lot of the nation like for people who live up north here you should probably be taking a vitamin d supplement whether you're vegan or not because like i i don't remember what the exact statistic was but like a lot of americans are deficient in vitamin d so it's definitely an important thing to take and you also said you take creatine once in a while and i'm wondering why you don't just take it every day because i take it every day and i Oh no no, I, no, know, I, that's I, no! I take it. I take it every day. Did I say that? I'm, oh. No, I think I meant uh, protein. But even even okay. protein powder, I still take daily. Um, no, I definitely do take creatine on a daily basis. 
Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, here's a question that I've asked a couple vegans that I've had on my podcast, and I'm sure this will be interesting to ask you with your uh, background with debating and whatnot. What What do you believe the definition of veganism is, or I guess more explicitly, what type of guidelines do you think some a person has to meet in order to be considered vegan like is there a is there a thin line where this one thing that you're doing makes you not vegan but if you aren't doing it then you are vegan or is it like like what do you think it means to be vegan Mm -hmm. yeah uh so so yeah when i say vegan of course i'm i'm always going to be referring to um ethics so you know if you look at the vegan society's definition it's like a life that uh, a lifestyle that seeks to exclude the use killing exploitation of animals as practical as possible and that 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 part as practical as possible is where this conversation kind of starts to go so what does that really mean um so i mean to me if somebody is like in a situation where you know they don't need to consume an animal product or pay for animal products in general um and they do and they're putting in demand uh animal suffering and animal use and exploitation i would say that they're not vegan now i don't i don't want to come off as like that vegan and be like oh you're a fucking piece of shit like i don't i don't mean it in that way i'm i'm just saying technically like i wouldn't consider that person a vegan now it's not like they're a terrible person i don't even think they're a bad person i i understand why certain people aren't vegan but um in reference to like using old leather i think that's vegan anytime you're you're using old leather or even i would say there's there's situations where you can eat meat and be vegan uh for example you can uh, like like okay a lot of, a lot of times veganism is conflated with the idea that eating meat is wrong and that's not what it, to me what veganism is because technically you know you could eat roadkill as weird as that is um, if someone wanted to consume roadkill that would be vegan because uh, you're not actually um, supporting the death of that um, dead animal it just happened to be dead already right so or even mm-hmm. if you know hypothetically let's say I was in the house with my mom and she just bought chicken breasts. And then she didn't have the receipt, so she couldn't return it. And I just convinced her to go vegan. And she said, hey, I'm never going to buy chicken breast again. Um, that chicken breast becomes like ethically uh, vegan. And it, a lot of vegans don't really, they they struggle to understand this because there's this niche of vegans that are like, oh, any use of any animal product ever is not vegan. But for me, it's about supply and demand and whether or not your choice is put in demand these products. So in that specific situation with my mom, I would say that eating that eating that chicken is vegan for the same reasons that I think eating that roadkill is vegan. So um, so I think that using leather per se doesn't mean you're not vegan. I, I don't think that eating meat per se makes you not vegan. But once you you pay for it and you put it in demand and you financially support um, an industry that breeds, commodifies, and views animals as resources, that's when I think uh, someone's not vegan, but it sounds so like inherently like like judgy when I say it. And I, I really don't mean it that way. I'm just I'm just speaking based on like technical terms. Uh, you know, if if someone I know people that are vegan and then like once a year they'll just buy like a chocolate bar and it's like I don't I don't know what it means to like to to say oh once a week I I condone and support animals being you know raped or killed for dairy right so and what while saying that you're vegan and you seek to not view animals as resources and stuff so so i know that was a that was a complicated answer but it's, it is a very complicated question so there's just a lot of ground to cover but that's kind of my general uh idea of what it means to be vegan so yeah no nah, that was probably the most like logical understanding answer i've gotten out of that question so <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I really like your take on that. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. And, and I don't, I'm oh, sorry, go on. No, 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 that's okay. You can, I was going to say too, that a lot of vegans don't agree with me on this, but um, this is kind of aside from veganism because veganism tends to be about like being against a needless killing. Like people like usually say like, Oh, if, it, if it's a need, if it's a need and you need to survive to do it, it's vegan. And like, I guess I agree with that. But when it comes to like ethics in general, it's really weird because if, if, if we say that need, for example, justifies killing, you know, I'll ask a, a typical vegan and say like, Hey, um, 
So pig valves are compatible with uh, human valves, right? So do you think it's morally justified for me to go up to a pig and, and slit its throat and kill it? Because if I don't, I'll die. And and that some a lot of vegans just to be logically consistent, like they'll say yes. And then I'll be like, okay, that's interesting. So would you accept that logic in a human scenario? Like, would you be, would you be okay with me killing a human for a valve? And to that, they'll say, oh, but humans are of higher value than pigs. And, you know, I agree with that. So I'll say, so what, so what is the difference? Like, what is it about the pig that lowers its value um, than the human? Like, what is it? What's the trait? A lot of times they'll say something like pigs don't have the intelligence of a human or they don't have a concept of tomorrow, things like that. So you just create a hypothetical and say, um, so what about killing like mentally disabled people um, that are of pig level, if not lower intelligence? Like, and it's just a logic test, you know, to see where they draw the line. And most people wouldn't accept uh, mentally disabled humans getting killed for their valves out of need. So for that reason, I don't, I don't know that need uh, necessarily justifies killing, but, but don't get me wrong. Like I know that if I was on a stranded island and I was in a deprived state and I needed food and I was hallucinating and going crazy, I'd probably kill an animal like to, to survive, but I can acknowledge yeah. that it isn't moral. Uh, Cause again, for the reasons I just stated, I don't think that, need necessarily justifies killing but and like i said vegans a lot of them will disagree with me on that but if you press them to the logical extension of what they're saying they'll usually find a double standard for humans and then you, you just showcase that need even in their own moral framework doesn't justify killing so does that make sense yeah yeah definitely yeah how how do you feel about honey um so <laughs> I've, I've, I need to do a little more research on like local honey. I, I think commercial honey is, is uh, not vegan, but just, just by the definition of like exploit, exploitation, but I've heard arguments that like uh, local honey, um, the way that they go about it actually is in the interest of the bees continuing to populate. And that's also, of course, in the interest of this, of sustaining the planet. So mm-hmm. local honey might, there might be an argument like for, for it if it is in the interest of preserving, cause you know, you know, the classic, like if bees die, we die thing. Like, like assuming yeah. that that's true. Um, there could be a specific argument for bees, uh, for local honey. Now, again, I haven't looked fully into it. Um, bite sized vegan. I don't know if you know her. Um, she's on YouTube. She stopped uploading a while ago, but she's a really, really intelligent, uh, vegan activist. She makes some of the most extensive content, or made, should I say, because she doesn't do it anymore. And she has a video on uh, like, like bees and honey. And she goes into all the science, all the research. And it seems by the end of the video that it's uh, definitely not vegan. But I don't, I forgot if that video applies to local honey. So again, this, this question is like commercial honey, I would say definitely isn't. But uh, local, there could be an argument for it. But uh, yeah, I have to do more research. So I can't, I never really like to speak on things that I don't have full on. Uh, details but yeah hmm. i did not th- know that about local bees so mm-hmm. yeah i'll probably have to do some research on that too because mm-hmm. that's always like a, a debate yeah between me and my friends and like other vegans as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> are there any resources you suggest the listeners check out who are considering going vegan or maybe just trying to become better activists? Yeah, totally. Um, so, so I think, so ask yourself is uh, a vegan YouTuber. He's, he's a uh, very, he's where I get a lot of my argumentation from. He's strictly logic. Um, and he, he's debunked so many arguments in like such a fashion that I've, uh, he's in a way for me, he's like an, an, an inspiration. So, Ask yourself is really good. Um, think about this is another YouTuber. He he's more of a comedic guy, but he he debunks anti-vegan arguments. And th- these are more resources for getting better at argumentation as opposed to being a better activist. Because those I think those are two different things. You know, you you could be a really good debater, but if you don't know how to speak to people uh, nicely and calmly, um, you you may not be a good activist. Even though you can pie people like on, on like certain arguments like. So, so those two think about this and ask yourself are really good for debate and argumentation. Uh, 
Mike the Vegan is really good for um, environmental and health facts. And these environment, health, and, and ethics are the three topics that I think come up the most when I'm doing outreach in the public and online. So I think in order to be a better activist, you should equip yourself with the knowledge that will help you better prepare you to answer questions. Like people will always be coming at you with, you know, the protein question, oh, uh, our animals are going to overpopulate. Like it's best to have the, the refutations for all these arguments like on deck. So Mike the Vegan is really good for health and environment. Uh, ask yourself and think about this are very good for ethics. Uh, vegan gains is you know he's a bit of a controversial one um but he's really good for health as well and um ethics i know he's a bit of a people call him very aggressive and stuff and you know i understand why they say that and i i, I probably you know i agree but um when you look past his character like his actual arguments are pretty sound a lot of the time so yeah th those three or those four are pretty good um and there's others too. I just don't, I don't want to like keep listing a bunch, but yeah. Also, um, seasoned tofu is pretty good for health, <laughs> but you know, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, yeah. I actually always refer people uh, to you or, um, you know, plant field strength. Yeah. 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 You guys have like the best, like in my opinion, and like the best, uh, meals, like people are always asking for like meals and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, just go to them. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Plant field strength is his page is so nice and he's like blown up recently. Oh yeah. Dude. His, his posts get insane engagement. I don't know how, mm -hmm. well, I know how cause they're amazing posts, but still, mm -hmm. yeah, his, his page is great. I don't do food posts as much anymore, which is kind of sad, but I found, I found that I needed to evolve my social media and like now I do more like info related posts i don't know if you, yeah, you've I've probably seen. seen what i've been posting lately is more like just info stuff mm -hmm. rather than meals mm -hmm. or just like myself mm -hmm. and vegan facts too yeah um but yeah i i want to end off the podcast with a few questions this is what i usually do um just related to personal development in general uh, because that is a little bit of what this podcast is about as well. Some business and personal development type stuff. Yeah, sure. Do you have any morning or nighttime rituals? Yeah, um, actually, as of two and a half months ago, I started like meditating. And I know you touched on this earlier. So I actually wanted to talk to you about that too, but we can, we could probably save that, save it for another time. But yeah, I started meditating um, with uh, this, with Sam Harris in his app called waking up sam harris is just a like a neuroscientist and he has a very empirical take on like meditation he has a you know no no offense to like religion or anyone who has religious beliefs but he has a video or a book called spirituality without religion and uh it's very interesting and it's just this whole take on the mind and, and understanding it and um being at being isolated from the way your thoughts make you feel things like that so uh, meditating for sure. Um, I usually try to come up with a post idea almost every morning. Uh, uh, I go for walks. Those are nice. They're very, they help me like clear up. So meditation, um, coming up with a post idea and, uh, walking. Those are the three things that kind of ground me, I guess in the morning. They're like, it's almost like a, like a pulls the trigger, like on my day. It makes me like ready to like, uh, attack it in a sense. And then at night, I'm not really, I don't know, besides like, you know, like brushing my teeth and all that, like, uh, I'm not so sure. Um, it can sometimes, you know, I'll watch some like personal uh, development stuff, but usually my nights are a lot more chill. Um, I live in a house with like four other vegans and, you know, a good amount of them like smoke weed and stuff. So like, we'll just hang out, chill and, uh, and it's it's more of like a chill like kind of night thing, but uh, yeah, I don't, and I I, I do uh, smoke weed on occasion, uh, but I don't like to do it in the morning or during the day. Like I think it takes away from my productivity. So I think of these kinds of things as rewards for being productive. So um, I don't really do these things until the nighttime because the daytime I usually save for for being productive and completing tasks. So how about you though? 
my morning and nighttime rituals or are we talking about weed oh no oh i guess both but to, to start with the the rituals uh so in the morning i always have my tea that i make which is green tea with a few slices of ginger and some lemon squeezed in that really helps my digestion and like just getting everything out in the morning mm-hmm. um, i'm not going to go into any more detail about that <laughs> yeah. uh and then I do this little mobility kind of circuit routine. It's like, it takes like five minutes. I uh, do some like different yoga poses just to keep my mobility good. Um, and that also wakes me up a little bit in the morning, gets my blood pumping. I used to meditate every morning, but I just don't meditate as much as I used to. I kind of found that after doing it for like every single day for like almost two years, that the effects kind of stayed with me and I didn't really need to as much anymore. It's either that or that's an absolute excuse and I'm just being lazy. What, what would you uh, describe as the effects? Just being more present, um, mm-hmm. not being so reactive. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I, I try to think more before I speak, even though I'm absolutely fucking terrible about that. Yeah. And my girlfriend can all about that <laughs> um, um so like but but it's definitely helped with those things um just like yeah being being more present-minded and understanding other person's viewpoint mm-hmm. before i start to or if i or like being just more chill um yeah. when it comes to something that i don't want happening mm-hmm. like it helped a lot with that and then as for the night, I will stretch my entire body and then usually have chamomile tea, but I don't, I haven't had any for a while. So I've just been making uh, boiling water and throwing in a few slices of ginger in there and calling that my chamomile tea. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then I sometimes journal just to like, if I'm really like, if I'm all jumbled in my mind, writing it down on a piece of paper just helps so much. Like if, if anyone out there is like thinking about all the things they have to do or like confused about a certain thing or have a really smart, creative idea, just write it down like right away. And that helps a lot. So sometimes I just do that to clear my mind before bed or sometimes I'll meditate before bed because I find it helps me fall asleep way faster okay. like meditating before bed's really nice for that and then as for weed um well not many of my audience knows this or my listeners know this but i mean i smoke pretty much every day actually <laughs> sweet <laughs> and yeah, it's it has its pros and cons mm-hmm. like i would love to believe that I'm more in the zone, more focused when I'm on weed, but it, it, I don't think that's true. Like I try to make up that excuse in my head. Mm-hmm. So I smoke during the day, but mm-hmm. I try not to smoke during the day. Like I, like you said, I think it's an amazing thing if you're using it as a reward at the end of the day for being productive like that, if you're using it for that, that's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so nice to, it relieves so much of my anxiety if I'm like super all over the place some days and like just pissed off about something or like mm-hmm. rest out. Like it just, it helps so much with that. Yeah, and totally. like there's essentially no downside to it if you're just doing it at night, but I will catch myself doing it during the day a lot. And like, I can still be productive on weed. Like I definitely can, but I'm just slower. Like, yeah, I, know, totally. I, don't, I, I understand. Just, Funny, I'm, I'm like just slow you know like like i can get things done it's just going to take longer than usual Mm -hmm. so which means basically means you're less productive so i'm really not Mm -hmm. more productive or like i I know what you mean you could also like be completing things in a even though it's slower you might you may just be doing it in a less anxious state like you're a bit more relaxed while you're doing it that that could be like a i guess like a positive but uh yeah yeah, i wanted to know because you because you because of your memory issues a couple times in this podcast uh i, I was like oh, this dude smokes weed like after after those two points this is funny <laughs> you think that's because of smoking i don't know i don't know for a fact but uh, i know that my personally for me anecdotally 
uh, my memory, my short-term memory has gone to shit uh, since I started smoking weed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're probably right, dude. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it definitely affects it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Worth it. Oh, oh well, yeah. Mm-hmm. What what are the, th- I, I'm going to say, what are the three books that have impacted your life the most? Um, see, it's weird because I don't, I don't read books that often. Like, so like there's, there's a, um, spirituality without religion. That's a pretty solid one. Um, there's this one called mastering yourself by, a uh, Corey Wayne. He's a, he's kind of like a life coach and he's amazing when it comes to just like life in general and like and being objective about what you need to do to get where you want he 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 understands like uh just all the bullshit that we kind of tell ourselves to avoid getting to where we want and really emphasizes the fact that like if you want x y and z you have to do x x y and z like you have to work to get where you want things like that so mastering yourself by Corey wayne and then um I'm not too sure I can really name a third one. Uh, maybe there is a very interesting book, which is more so an idea um, like a, for the, for the world. It's called uh, the best that money can't buy. And it's, it's about a hypothetical impossible world where instead of the free market system and capitalism, which I'm not, I'm not completely against um, capitalism, but it's, it's an interesting idea. It sounds like a utopia, but it's basically a resource-based economy where um, automation takes over about 90% of the workforce and only 10% of the human population has to work. It's very centered around like UBI and like universal basic income where there's really not much, there's not much money out there and we have room to just pursue our imaginations and, and our passions while uh, robots do everything else. Like it, it, it uh, goes under the idea that we have the, the, the technology to house, bathe and feed about 20 billion people, but it's just that the, the resources aren't being distributed how they should. And so it kind of addresses the fundamental issue with the monetary system, the monetary system, but that's a whole nother thing. It's, this isn't really a book for self-development. It's more like a really interesting idea that I don't really think will be implemented realistically anytime soon, but it should be. Um, but yeah, again, I don't read, I don't read much books. I read more so like studies and, uh, and, uh, read like, notes online like philosophy and like watch videos of lectures and things like that so i don't i'm not a big reader but um yeah those are the three i would say gotcha that one sounds interesting i might have to take a look at that one yeah it's super cool when you think of the word successful who's the first person that comes to your mind and why Mm, i'd probably say uh that dude, uh, Corey Wayne, the dude that wrote mastering yourself just because, uh, like in his book, he goes over like all the shit he had to go through and he's constantly eliciting like, or describing, sorry, his, uh, his mentality and how he went about breaking through barriers and things like that. And he is like extremely successful. He has two, um, best-selling books. He has a YouTube channel of over 300,000 subs. Um, he does what he loves. He, he's very grounded and, uh, he just, he, he looks at life with this mentality of like, you know, if you want something, you just have to do what you have to do. He, there's no, he's, he's against all like the bullshit that people tell each themselves to like justify not doing things. Um, he just like when he, when he speaks and when like he, uh, he really just gets past a lot of the emotional stuff that, uh, stops, stops people from pursuing their goals, you know? there's a lot of cloud clouding and it's hard to look at your life objectively when it comes to like, Oh, what should I do? Cause you know, when we're talking about our own lives, there's emotions tend to get in the way. So he just has a lot of content related to that. And his story and his life and his journey is, is truly inspirational. And he's 100% the, the, uh, the model for success or like the, what I would like if, if dictionaries had pictures and if in his picture was next to the word success, like I would be like, yeah, that's, that makes fucking sense. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Corey Wayne is his name. He's just super, super uh, inspirational. Love that. Mm-hmm. All right. 
I guess, yeah, we're going to end it here. Thank you for coming on again. Uh, if you want to, I, I said this at the start of the podcast, or I will be saying it. If you want to plug any of your social media links, you guys should check him out for sure. He's got great content on Instagram and now he's on YouTube. So if you want to share uh, those links with the listeners. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. So it's at lifting underscore vegan underscore logic on Instagram. And then on YouTube, it is just lifting vegan logic. And then I'm also on Twitter now um, doing a lot of like, I'm slowly understanding like the Twitter language and how you get to just be an asshole on there. So um, so I'm a, a bit more sassy there with my activism, but um, it's also, it's, it's at vegan underscore logic instead of lifting vegan logic. But uh, yeah, so on Twitter, I'm also just making posts it's all in reference to um, animal rights and um, refuting non-vegan uh, arguments and also just showcasing that vegans aren't anemic, protein-deficient, emaciating uh, individuals. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then your your YouTube is Lifting Vegan Logic? Yeah, the YouTube right? is, just, is just Lifting Vegan Logic, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Sweet, man. All right. Thanks for coming on again. Totally, man. Uh, appreciate everything we are signing off now take care